Hey, I'm Kimberly. And I'm Summer. And this is The Kids Are In Bed. We are two new moms who just had babies in 2020. During that time, we leaned on each other, our limited community, and the internet. We want to share our experiences and knowledge with you guys and hopefully entertain you a little. What better time to discuss babies, sex, pregnancy, and just life than when the kids are in bed. And I know my little one's tucked in bed, snoozing. She's been in daycare for the past couple days, so she is out. How's Logan doing over there, Kim? He is also out. I'm staring at him on his little monitor. He also went to daycare today, so I do think it totally just exhausts them in a completely different way. (laughs) Totally, and it's crazy because, I mean, Ruth is sleeping a good amount while she's at daycare, but not her normal amount. Yes. And I think all the extra energy, too, is just, it knocks the wind out of them. Yeah, definite. Logan is definitely, I mean, today, he slept way better than he had previously when he was at daycare. But again, it's not close to normal than what he usually does, which is hard because then he's grumpy and then... You know, it just kind of spirals Mm -hmm. a little bit. And it makes it harder for me to kind of, like, cope with him being at daycare when I know he's not happy. So that's, I think that's the hardest part for me. Right. It's knowing he's not getting what he would normally probably get if he were home. Yeah. How's Ruth been adjusting to being around other kids? My girl, I don't know. (laughs) She cried the first day when Ryan dropped her off. But when he picked her up, she was fine. The daycare lady picked her up, brought her over, and she was chill. Um, Today, he dropped her off, and no tears. She just went in. I asked the lady when I picked her up how she did, and she's like, oh, she was great. Likes to explore and go everywhere. So I'm assuming she's doing good. She adjusted well. So That's awesome. That's like She just needed a day to get into it. and Yeah. Which I'm surprised. That's really good. I don't know if it's because a lot of the kids in that room are her age. There's like one that's a little younger who's not crawling yet. Yeah. Um, so the rest of them are all just crawling all over each other. So I don't know <laughs> if that helps. <laughs> or Little human jungle gyms. Yeah. They're just everywhere. So she seems to be enjoying it for the most part. They did arts and crafts today. So. So cute. You're going to have to start an arts and crafts binder. Oh, I know. Of all of her stuff. My parents did that and I still have it. And I think David makes fun of me because I still get excited <laughs> looking at my arts and crafts from when I was in kindergarten. But And he's like, this is junk. Throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's super cute to look back on. It's so cute. And then you get to kind of see like, oh, I was this size at one point, you know, because the tiny handprints yeah. and it's cute. I appreciate that stuff. It is cute. And as a kindergarten teacher, I appreciate that you appreciate it now. (laughs) (laughs) I told David, I can't wait to get my first homemade gift from Logan. That's all I want is like a tiny homemade gift. That's going to be so cute. And maybe I know that there's lots of moms that just throw them away. And maybe I will eventually when there's so much (laughs) stuff. But I think for the first good while, I'm keeping everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Once it's like I have the same drawing 50 times and I still don't know what it is, <laughs> then I'll probably start throwing it away. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, man. Totally. Well, to last week, we talked about um, Logan's cleft and your journey, your family history, everything like that. 
And so today we're going to kind of do a follow-up to that episode and go into some more questions, kind of focusing more on the emotional side of um, either being impacted or having or caring for someone with a cleft. Um, That's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So actually, David and I were going through some of these questions just casually as we were doing the dishes or he was doing the dishes. And I was just kind of asking, like, based on his perspective, how would he answer these questions? And just because I feel like he had a lot of really profound things to say. And I think have Logan and his cleft is a daily part of our lives, but we don't necessarily talk about it daily in Mm -hmm like a deep level. And so just hearing a lot of the things that he had to say really changed my perspective or reminded me like how serious this is or or what a difficult journey we have been on together as a family. Because in my mind, I definitely downplay it. Like this is all we know. I don't know how to parent any different. I don't know what it's like to have a kid without a medical need. And so I'm like, oh, it's no big deal. Um, but just kind of talking with David about it, um, just kind of really reminded me like, oh, this isn't normal. I guess Mm -hmm. like this journey we're on, isn't normal. And it's a lot more profound. Um, I think than I realize. So with that said, (laughs) David is actually here and we have invited him to join. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just be- And I think just because we've been on this journey together, it's not just a me journey. I think it's really important to have him here and listen to what he has to say, too. Yeah. I'm My life cool. partner. <laughs> hey, <how's it> going? <laughs> oh, man. This is yeah, going to be good. Yeah, on this together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, I'm just going to kind of start with, like, a basic question, right? Some of these questions came from listeners. Um, we asked on our Instagram page for any questions that people had. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the main ones is just what is it like to have a baby with medical needs for you guys? Yeah, I think kind of like I mentioned, like I, my first reaction when David and I were talking about it, it was like, well, I don't know anything else. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a question. What's it like to have a baby with medical needs? Well, <laughs> Like, we don't know what it's like to not. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I guess it's different, obviously. Um, but it's kind of like how, explaining that is kind of like, how do you explain to somebody who doesn't have a child, like, what it's like to be a parent? Right. You know, I had nieces and nephews and seen lots of little kids around. Um, but, you know, I love them, of course, and they're like my family and stuff. And, you know, they look like me. And um, But when you have your own child... Um, you can't explain that feeling and that love and that way it changes you, um, you know, kind of pre- like pretty deeply, um, kind of who you are and that kind of capacity to love that you have different. So when the has a kid has a medical need, it's just like that much more like if you're, you know, dog or something was sick, but now it's like you, your, ba- <laughs> your baby, no. your like actual physical baby. So yeah. yeah and Does I, that make sense? Totally. And I think part of like what you had said earlier was it's like you love this small child more than you even love yourself or more than you've Mm -hmm. loved anybody else, really. And so then now imagine them being sick or in our case, he's not necessarily sick, but having a need that causes him pain or struggle. 
like that is really hard to wrap your mind around and to kind of deal with this tiny human that you love so much. Yeah. Just struggling. And when you, um, I mean, there's lots of ups and downs and like you're putting your whole world, like you're the most important thing to you in um, the hands of someone else. And, you know, they have to have a procedure or something. You have to, you know, let them go in and trust that the doctor or whoever is doing that is completely competent. You know, like how much care do you put in, you know, having your kid go to daycare or like, mm-hmm. you know, who who's going to watch them, your parents or someone that you really trust. Now they're going to like not only watch them for several hours, they're going to do something to them that, you know, in our case, you know, stitch his face back together. So mm-hmm. it's a, uh, it's, it's a little, um, yeah, it's just kind of a, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah. And our, so I guess to kind of backtrack having a baby with some medical needs, like Sorry, I kind of jumped in, <laughs> we found out about Logan's cleft, um, at my 20 week ultrasound, right. um, kind of, we, we've talked about before, an ultrasound that David wasn't able to go to. Mm-hmm. So just kind of starting our journey like that, I think, was challenging to hear this incredible news alone was hard. Um, but since that ultrasound, David and I had immediately done a lot and lot of research about clefts and what the possibilities were and what community supports there were and different cleft teams. And we, I mean, we scoured the internet, the internet for and... everything that we could find. Yeah. We talked to every doctor we went to and they gave us every resource they had. Yeah. Wasn't. <laughs> Which though I think. Not a whole lot actually. <laughs> yeah. Because I lots of doctors didn't have a lot of information, so we kind of compiled all of the little bit of information that each doctor mm-hmm. gave us. And I think by the end, we had more information than any one doctor yeah, had. Yeah, Kim was, like, going mm-hmm. in and looking up the medical history of, you know, yeah. the, guy, like the people here in town. Like, okay, where did he do his residency? Okay, where was he here before that? Um, well, <laughs> okay, there's this, oh, some, there's this, this internet article talking about, you know, some procedure. Okay, what is he doing here? He's getting published in this book. Oh, you know, what's his like mortality rate? What's like, he was like, go, fighting all, like doing a, like, <laughs> it was one of the doctors, I forget where, but like someone had died under his care. Not like, didn't seem it was in a malpractice or something, but there was like some kind of thing at one of the places he worked before he was at his current place. She just like went a crazy deep dive. Yeah. I was ready to be like, all right, you know, okay, Fresno's good enough. Like, look, seems like the doctors are good. Someone and her, one of the offices she was went to, somebody, what they had a kid go see him for something. And I'm like, well, it's good for some other doctor. I mean, I'm sure it's cool for us. But Kim was like, no, we're going to do this. Like, <laughs> we're going to look at every possible avenue, which which is great because, like, that's really what you need to do. And as a parent, you know, you want to find the best for your kid as best you can. And you really don't know how much is out there. And, you know. And then you really don't realize it until you really look at everything and you see the baby in front of you and, you know, the pregnancy gets more real and, you know, it's just getting a little bump and you feel the kicks and it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, like, you know, you'll you'll drive four hours like every weekend (laughs) um, for half a year. Like, you know, talking, I mean, not to talk too much about what we'll talk about later, but, you know, looking at um, people in other countries, they would do that if they could. Like, you know, we are lucky enough to be able to have the option to do that so yeah you'll go 
it'll make you go to lengths that you never, you know, thought of. Yeah. You never thought of and you never wanted to. Yeah. You know, like we have certainly never dreamed of needing to do something like that or wanting to, but it's it's such a deep connection with this kid that you would do anything to make sure that they could have anything that they needed. And so that's what we did. We ended up, we interviewed several cleft teams. We picked the cleft team that we thought was going to be best kind of before Logan was born, but we kind of told ourselves as soon as he's born, we're both going to get a look at his face and we're going to make that decision as soon as we saw him. And I think we did. I think like, even though it was complete chaos in the first like five minutes, I think like we just like looked at each other and we just knew that we, what team we were going to go with. His was pretty profound when he was born. It was like, we were all, we were both kind of like, Oh, someone in the, someone looking at an ultrasound had said, Oh, it's only looks like about these many millimeters. Five. Five. Yeah. It was like five millimeters. And then, okay. We're like, okay, you know, maybe it's a little one to stay in town or we can you know or whatever but we pretty much had our like top place and then when he came out you know just looking at him it was like yeah we know like we were like if he's getting we we want him to be in the best hands possible and so and so for us that meant using a device in his mouth that would kind of help pull the cleft closed prior to his first surgery. And so that was called a nasoalveolar molding device. And so (laughs) for short, the NAM, and we chose a cleft team that used the NAM um, and it was well, you know, rehearsed in it. And so the team we chose, actually the orthodontist is one of the best orthodontists out there. Amazing. With the NAM. Shout out to Dr. Chu. Dr. Chu at Stanford (laughs) Children's is amazing. Yeah. Probably one of the best orthodontists that has it lives right now. I would definitely say that. <clears throat> yeah. But part of that NAM is it was a device that Logan put into his mouth. He got fitted for it at four days old. Yeah. We drove four hours up, four hours back, although it took like what, at least twelve hours the trip. I mean, driving with a four day old oh. four hours, mm-hmm. it was I think um going to Stanford it was uh like we kind of knew, like we interviewed all the teams, and they were like definitely not the easiest to, you know, they were not the first ones to meet with us. But as soon as we contacted them, they got on the ball. Like stuff happened so fast. Like came emailed them like the next day. We can have an appointment. It's gonna be in a month. But they got it to us, and we went to Stanford expecting just to meet people and mm-hmm. to get some information, and then you know schedule things down the road. But when we got there, it was like, okay. Let's get it done. Like they're about action. Like let's get his yeah. stuff fitted and let's get this ball rolling. Like when you guys... Logan was born, we like had an email typed up like prior to his birth. Like mm-hmm. the day he was born, we just sent the email saying like, "Okay, we're ready. We've chosen you." And they emailed back within an hour and said, "Okay, let's see you on Friday. Thursday or, yeah. or something oh like God. that." And that was like in four Friday. days. Yeah. We didn't even like That's confirm crazy. until. That and it was like, all right, in three days, and then in three days, he was like, we had just moved upstairs his... to like the recovery room, and we yeah. had already scheduled our first doctor's appointment in four days. And so, oh, wow. we drove up with a four day old baby, and they fitted him for the NAM device on the spot. And it <laughs> is a device that you wear 24 7, and it, mm-hmm. um, think of like a retainer, yeah, and then a retainer. you like tape your cheeks kind of yeah closed. it's a retainer mm-hmm. that has 
this little nub that goes in your nose. I mean, when you have a cleft, it goes into the nose to kind of like stabilize it. It has a nub that sticks out the front and then these like tapes that pull it together and like pulls everything from the opposite parts of the cleft, from the clefted mm-hmm. side to the like non-affected side. Is that right? Yeah, and it's pulling the gum line closed. Okay. So it's trying to minimize the size of the palate by moving gum line together as well Got as it. like pre-stretching the skin. So that required daily taping on our part mm-hmm. 24-7 and it required weekly adjustments to the device. So that meant for weeks we needed to drive up every Monday to Stanford to get the device adjusted for multiple weeks. And then um, there were times that we could do virtual visits, but Mm -hmm. it still required us to tighten the device ourselves. And we had doctors visits one to three times every week for the first four months of Logan's life. Yeah. Lots of doctor visits. I mean, anybody with any kind of medical thing, you know, you're going to go to the doctor a lot. That's one of the, you know, cool things about COVID is that, like, they really got on telehealth stuff. And yeah. towards the middle of his um, NAM thing, Kim was really, really good about, like, using the NAM and taping and all that stuff. And we got really good at the procedure of everything. So we were able to do, like, every other week for a little while. Yeah. But um, we did have to go in and um, it, we have to go in a lot. And, you know, she would she molded the first device and then she would like shave it off by hand, you know, like a millimeter here, like a tiny section there and get it all perfectly fit to his face. Yeah. And I think in those, especially in those first moments, it created like a deeper love between David and I, I think something like Mm. going through something so significant can sometimes be like a make or break, you know, the level of stress Mm -hmm. and, anxiety and just everything that you have to go through the sacrifice and just the emotion i mean firstly you're going you have a child that now has this medical need and then you're like postpartum you have these hormones and then you're just trying to like navigate sleepless nights and then you like (laughs) throw on this like taping where in the beginning it was awful and logan was just so uncomfortable so i think going having a child with medical needs for us, in our case, like, created a much deeper love between David and I and a yeah. bonding. And I think even with Logan, too, like, I mean, I think we would have loved each other, you know, just as much. But <laughs> yeah, there's some sort of, like, like, you know, it's like if you ever had a, if you ever went through, like, a really difficult college class with some friends and, like, you guys all came <laughs> on the other side, like, we hate, we, you know, we hated that, but we're all smart now. And, like, you know, like, yeah. your grad school friends. Grad yeah. school, yeah. But, you know, it's like trauma bonding kind of. Yeah, um, you go through something hard together, and you all come out the other side like buddies. Like, yeah. But you know, we're all family, so like, we were the first night he got his Nam. We were at this little. We had like a casita Airbnb, and I don't know by some I think San Jose, and he slept for fifteen minute stretches max oh. for mm-hmm. the first night. This is max, and we're in this like little tiny one room thing. And then the next David mo- was teaching ne- virtually. I was teaching virtually. So the next morning, I'm oh my teaching gosh. my classes in this little one room thingy, tiny, tiny, tiny this little one room Airbnb. Because yeah, and then we're driving home, and like, so we got like 15 minutes. I don't even know. Did we get any sleep that night? No. Like we got like zero <laughs> sleep. Like when I say he oh slept for 15 gosh. minutes max, that was like the maximum amount of time he slept at one time that night. Oh yeah. So then I'm teaching, and then um. 
then we then we then we pack up after you know we finish and then um after i have my you know whole school day like virtual school day and then we drive home you know four hours because we have to leave like around like three o'clock and so we got to drive through traffic from bay area traffic But yeah, it doesn't take yeah. four hours because we have to then stop and, and feed. And, and he's change. little, so he doesn't. He has to stop and more than once, like, and it's, it takes a while. So, but that was our mm-hmm. lives for the first four months. Yeah, like it was just craziness, and I think yeah, it created a bonding, an immense bonding between David and I, but also between us and Logan. But even yeah. more than that, it created like bonds between friends. Yeah, you really have just different people that you know. Uh, you know you're close with or you maybe weren't even mm-hmm. as close with but they've had kids and they know like or they've had you know some kind of medical need in their family and they know kind of the struggle and like or like or or family or distant family or people that kim like grew up with on the other side of the country like sending food or sending like you know a book or something like i had a buddy of mine that um we had sung together he moved away um and then he like one day we were coming home he just sent us a couple books like so hey, my daughter loves these, and I know stuff. That, so it's just like little things oh. that um people do. It really, you know, and meals like never underestimate the power of like. Oh my gosh, the power of a hot time. meal! Oh my god! Like if you ever if you have a someone that you know is going through a meal train, like that's a that's a great opportunity to love on. Yeah. <laughs> someone. Yeah. So it definitely made are the people we were friends with. It made us a lot closer, mm-hmm. and people that we weren't friends with the. The people, I think when you're going... we're friends with, but just, like, weren't as, you know... Yeah. We didn't talk to every day or... Mm-hmm. But I think just to see who shows up for you when you're really going through it was incredible. There yeah. were so many people that stepped up that we hadn't talked to in years. And were like, let, let us bring you meals. And we were like, oh. wow. Like, because we felt... I definitely felt so undeserving of the support that people yeah, offered amazing, us. Yeah, man. We were very lucky. Very blessed. People... Uh, started like a travel fund, like a gas fund for us. Yeah, oh, that was really sweet. Like a big, huge basket of like road trip snacks that, yeah, that because really we were cool. traveling so much. Aww. And I know you and Ryan sent us coffee several times. And I think just those, <laughs> yeah. and even just the text, like, hey, I'm thinking of mm-hmm. you. Um, so we definitely created much closer bonds with friends and family um, through that process and through community. I think just like the cleft community. Mm-hmm. has been absolutely incredible to just find other people that have gone through similar things. Like we share a bond with complete strangers that we've never met on such a deep level, because kind of like David said earlier, you just can't explain it. You know, if you haven't yeah. gone through this personally, you just never quite understand. You can have a lot of sympathy, but if, but when you've gone through it yourselves, there's just a different level of connection, I think. Definitely. I mean, you have, like, people all over the world. And, I mean, you have people that you, what, like, six to eight girls <laughs> that you talk to on the daily that you just yeah. met from this. I know. I always quiz David. I say, okay, who is this <laughs> you person? did when we were I know. driving us. <laughs> I do. Driving to Palo Alto last time. Or, I don't know. When we were driving our last. On walks. I mean, I quiz him all the time. I'm like, like, okay. Who's um, this mom? Yeah. What's their child's name? <laughs> oh. What kind of cleft do they have? Where do they live? Yes. Like, because they are 
so special to us, I think. (laughs) And so I'm always like, (laughs) David knows them. He's like, oh, which one is this? Or, you know, it's just fun to um, have good relationships with the cleft community. Yeah, like, you know, you got flowers on your birthday. Yeah, I have this super... The ones that I got, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This super sweet cleft mom that I connected with when I was pregnant, she sent me flowers on my birthday. Just, it's been super... Nice. Yeah, we've been so blessed. There's like the cleft community and all of our friends and you know church family and family and extended family mm-hmm. has just been such a help. Like people, yeah. I mean, at, and especially with you know Logan having medical condition, like no one could come in and like hold him, or even no one could come in, right. even come in and like do the dishes. Yeah, or because anything, of COVID. Because of COVID, so like we were even with that like barrier, we still had so much support, and it was. Really amazing. Yeah. So to answer your question, what is it like? There are a lot of up and downs. I think, Sorry, that was a very long I mean, answer. No, it's great. There have also been just moments of like sobbing. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. I'm going to cry thinking about it right Aww. now. But like, it's great. And like, I'm so blessed to have such a great family and great friends. But it's also hard. Like, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's hard to see your baby go through something that, like, I wish I could take it away and I can't. Mm-hmm. And I don't want him to ever have to deal with this when he gets older and I can't take that away from him. And, yeah. um, you know, so there's definitely just days of, like, joy and we have we feel so supported and I would never want our story to be different because... Like, we have gotten, like, through this and God just provided for us every single step of the way. But there are also moments of just, like, heartbreak when you think about what your baby's going to have to go through. Because it's not just get you to the first surgery and you're okay. There's a life-long journey um, I mean, some conditions are a surgery and one and done, but a lot of things... Are a lot different than you probably don't know that much about. Like, I know the first we were first there. We um, we went to we had his appointment, and then we were sitting in the um. In Stanford, like they have a nice like uh I don't know walk area near the um like near the fine arts area, kind of near the hospital. We were just parked in like by a walkway, and I just started crying, man. I was sitting there like, man, our kid has to like you know when you go to the craniofacial um outpatient center there's also the like the you know pediatric cardiology and pediatric um you know like kids that are that can't they can't walk and it's all this crazy stuff Mm -hmm. and we drove you know we we go out there and then we drive by like the i mean the hospital is this beautiful facility and it's like man all these there's like i don't know hundreds of rooms in there and every room has that's occupied has some kind of kid that has some kind of like life-changing moment like no one is going to this hospital because they had a skin knee or like, you know, they needed stitches because right. they, you know, or maybe, or maybe they are, but like everyone here <laughs> is traveling, not. not everyone, but a lot of people are traveling from a great distance to come here. And like, you know, why does our kid have to, why does our kid have to have, um, I mean, I know he doesn't have like leukemia or something, but why does our kid have to have a major surgery at like a couple months old? Like, why does he have to come here every day? 
and like why do we have to tape his face together and why does like why does it have to be him and um it just it that was like that was just a sucky moment like i mean it was a good moment because we kind of kind of like i think i let all my emotion kind of about that out um in that moment it was just like man why does it have to happen like it's not fair to this kid and like you know yeah i mean i kind of got it out there but it was just yeah you do have that moment eventually i think even if it's and i think you have multiple well for me like it's multiple moments it definitely hits you nine times out of ten you're good and you're strong but then you have that one moment of like you just hurt for them Mm -hmm. right yeah and then when you yeah yeah when you find out too it makes things like that's probably another big and then i mean there's all kinds of times but that was my biggest thing and i think as parents we are we're you know we figure it out and we're strong and we're gonna do what we can to protect him and do it as a team um or with whatever team you have whether that's like your friends or your family um and so david and i are gonna be okay and we don't Mm -hmm. love him any differently cleft or no cleft and we're not gonna do things differently i mean we might have more medical appointments and things like that but i think the hardest part is what he has to go through like david and i are going to be okay Mm -hmm. um but like logan's gonna have to carry that burden i mean and hopefully it's you know not as much as the burden as we're feeling but you know and it's if we do our job and it's less on him, but that's what anyone with a medical thing is, you know, like I want to make sure my kid gets the right doctor. So he doesn't have to have, you know, they don't have to have this burden forever. And I think it's also that emotional burden too. Like it's just something, whether it's a burden to him or not, it is something that could be totally fine. Yeah, (laughs) it's true, but it is something that he's going to carry around and it doesn't mean his cleft has to define who he is as a person. But it is going to be a part of his identity, whether that's a big part or a small part. I mean, we don't know that. Yeah. Like, that's, you mm-hmm. know, we can teach him and love him the best that we can. But I think that that's just hard to navigate as a parent. Like, how I talk to David about this all the time. Like, there's this huge movement of being, like, cleft strong and cleft proud. And, like, we love him and we want to raise awareness and we want to bring awareness and have a conversation about his cleft but we also don't want it to be like his life is defined by his cleft and you know we're talking about his cleft all the time because there's going to be a point where I'm sure he is going to want zero part of his cleft like he's probably not going to want to acknowledge it Mm -hmm. all the time or he's not going to want to be cleft strong or cleft proud all the time you know and so it's just as a parent like how do you navigate that and how do you you know normalize it but not you know make it a huge deal but not minimize it either because i do think it's important to talk about yeah and to normalize a little bit but i don't know if anybody has the answers (laughs) let us know yeah i think social media probably makes that a little bit more um i don't even know broad or like more opportunities to show that cleft proud or cleft strong to where he might be seeing it more than like 20, 30 years ago when you kind of just saw the cleft people who are around you, not necessarily the whole world in your hand, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah. And him being able to be, and part of my hope is connecting to all these cleft families and other cleft moms is that one day we can get together or one day Logan can have a pen pal or, you know, know that there are other people in the world that are like Mm -hmm. him because I think we live in a world that, you know, differences are really emphasized, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know, David and I, I guess we don't really know, like, we live in a world now where people are trying to normalize differences, but, like, if you have a difference that needs to be normalized or, like, needs to have awareness brought to it, do you really want awareness brought, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, is that something that you really want? You want, do you want that attention on you? I I think we don't know the answer because we're not Logan and we... We mm-hmm. don't know what it's like. And right. I, every person's different. It's going to be different, you know, say with every person. I mean, with whatever the, you know, I guess not the differences, like whatever the physical differences or, you know, whatever difference. Um, yeah, it's going to definitely depend on the person. And some things you're going to want to, like, look at. I think we came to, like, I don't know, our thinking was, like, yeah, you want it to be normalized and you don't want it to be, like a like, a thing that people are just seeing for the first time when they see you, but you don't want it to like reach out and define like, you know, who you are. I mean, it's different for everybody, but that's like, kind of like we want to, that's kind of what we want to, I don't know, kind of set Logan up for and you know, Mm -hmm. whatever happens. Yeah. I think bringing awareness and educating people is important because I think people say less stupid stuff, the more that they know. And so I think we want to try (laughs) and like, We want to try and educate people before they can say something stupid, you know, right. because hopefully mm-hmm. the more, you know, the better you do. I think that's mm-hmm. the hope. And so, yeah, that's what <laughs> ignorance is right. Just not yeah. knowing things, not yeah. being exposed to things. And so, yeah, it's a definitely a, it's like with any kind of physical difference when you, especially with kids, like they'll just say something Yeah, and hopefully, you know, adults will learn more and everyone will learn more and it's not going to be that big of a deal. Like, and you know, as technology, as technology proves, hopefully like the actual look won't be as big of a deal, but the mm-hmm. like seeing it won't be as jarring and you'll be able to know that, Oh, this person looks different from me in this way. That's uh, you know, cleft. I saw that on, like I saw some, I read some book about it in kindergarten or something, you know, like, right. Or I um saw some guy on like a commercial or something that just kind of normalized it in a way that doesn't make it weird, but like, you know about it and it's not like shocking and you're not like, oh my gosh, when you yeah. see it. And-, and I do think the narrative around clefts needs to change. I know that like, even for example, like a show that I love, like Shit's Creek, you know, it's a great show, but I don't mm-hmm. know if you, you know, if you know, but like there's a line in there where they kind of make fun of people with clefts. You know, and so they say, like, oh, yeah, they're, they're like, laughing, like, oh, yeah, they're so hard to look at. Like, it's so sad to look at, you know, kids with clefts, like, in reference to that. And so Mm -hmm. I think just the narrative needs to be changed because, like, no, it's not sad and it's not hard to look at kids with clefts. It's different, Mm -hmm. but it's not sad or it's not, you know, scary. But I think just changing the narrative around clefts and, like, it's a fact, like, kids born with clefts lips or palates or anything like they look different of course mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that it has to be perceived so negatively or so shocking and it's you know clefts are yeah, not like a someone, punchline to a joke has a different looking nose than you 
I'm going to point mm-hmm. it out to them. Like, yeah, it's just a different looking nose, a different looking set of lips. Yeah. And I mean, it can be jarring, but like to look at for the first time, but like you got like education and um, just, you know, bringing it out to the to the masses, I guess, more. So it's not like a you don't I mean, you're not going to disappoint someone if you think their nose looks weird. Like, yeah, it's right. just a different looking nose and a different set looking set of lips. And it happens to a lot of people. Yeah. Way more people than mm-hmm. people realize. Yeah. Yeah. Along those lines, I have a question for you guys. How would you encourage someone to interact with someone who just found out they're having a baby with a cleft? What's a positive way to interact? Because I know for me personally, when you were told us you were having a cleft, like I didn't know what to say. Because like you don't want to say like, oh, I'm sorry, because it's not, a, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you don't want to be like, yeah. oh, like, like how, what would you encourage someone to say or how to interact and be there for you guys? I think it, first, I think it, it's definitely different for everybody. I mean, even between David and I, Mm -hmm. it's different. So, I mean, this is just based on, like, our personal feelings. Yeah, we definitely don't speak for everybody. Yeah. But, I mean, with that same breath, I think that if David and I kind of talked about this, like, if you are, if someone who just found out about their cleft diagnosis is reaching out to you to share that information, like, Mm -hmm. hopefully, like, I mean, at some point you have a a deeper connection with that person, you know, like your friends on yeah. some sort of level that you're not just finding out on social media or something. So if you're right. having that conversation, I think you do have that right. Like the, so for me, for example, if I'm sharing that with you, I'm texting you, I'm mm-hmm. doing that because I want you to know because you're on my team and because we kind of want you on the ride for it. And so I think like, it's totally appropriate for you to ask questions or say like, What's your comfort level or, oh, like, how do you mm-hmm. feel? Or, yeah. You know? Yeah, I think, um, you know, if the question is, like, someone just found out, yeah, obviously you're close enough to them where they want you to know. And mm-hmm. I think um, not saying anything is probably the worst thing, right, to do. Just kind of like. 1,000%. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, you can make the right decision. You can make the wrong decision. But if you make no decision, you don't. You okay? Yeah. Um then it's going to like be the kind of the worst thing in that situation. So um, you definitely want to, um, you know, say something, but I think just assume this kind of goes for back to any kind of medical need. If you found out someone close to you um, has, or their baby will have that, like you don't probably know a whole lot about their condition. Right. Like with the cleft, mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, they can just grow a mustache. It'll be perfectly fine. Like it's just cosmetic. Oh, one surgery and said, Oh, it looks great. Can't tell. Like he'll look great one day. <laughs> saying something that you think is like reassuring and like trying to get that like is awkwardness. usually not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's a bad feeling. Here's just kind of a little comment yeah, to make yeah, you feel yeah. better. Like I say that's not a good choice. If <laughs> your res- if your response <laughs> is trying to make yourself feel better, like if your response not, like, is like trying to like, show if your response is like brushing it off, I think mm-hmm. don't go with or that. That kind of response makes it seem, I think not necessarily that they're trying to brush it off, but that response kind of makes it seem like they're like to, to me or to my wife, like someone that has that situation that you're just like, Oh yeah, no big deal. Like when, you know, in actuality, like 
this child's problem is going to affect his whole life. Like he's going to need yeah. multiple surgeries. He's going to need multiple years of years and years of dental and orthodontic care. He's going to need speech services that started, you know, months ago. <laughs> he's going to need like mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. He's going to need potentially more surgeries when he's an adult. Like they, like, um, so, you know, I've had people, most people like, Oh yeah. Even Kim's doctors at Kim's have had, Oh yeah. He can just grow facial hair. Uh, newsflash, mm. I can't really grow facial hair. <laughs> Kim's <sighs> brother has a full beard, but, like, where does he not grow hair? In his cleft. <laughs> like, there's right. a scar. You don't grow hair there. It's not how that works. Mm. <laughs> like, um, Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, like, people, like, I've had multiple people tell me that. Like, you know, well-meaning, educated people that are, like, and, like, you, they, you don't know, you know, chances are you don't know what is going to entail that person's like if i have someone if i know someone like maybe their kid has some kind of like you know like some any kind of other medical disorder i'm not going to be an expert in that field so me saying a comment that i heard i heard someone say talk about it or i have common knowledge of something you probably are incorrect so just kind of like say ask a question is a great thing to do like How's, you know, oh, how's it going? How is your baby going? Like anything, any kind of question, like asking them how they're doing, how they feel about it is probably a good place to start. But trying to give a real quick, like, oh, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Like, that's not really a good thing. Yeah. For me, I really, in those moments, really wanted my feelings validated. Yeah. And so I felt Mm -hmm. like when people would say things like that, they were invalidating my personal feelings because I was grieving. Part because some days I was grieving or some moments I was grieving and then other days I was like totally fine or other like an hour later I was totally accepting and like, all right, let's do this. Like, I'm so excited. And so I think it just kind of depended. Mm -hmm. But overall, I wanted my feelings to be validated and I wanted so when people well-meaning people would say things like that, I felt like they weren't validating the grief or the journey that we were about to embark on. So definitely saying things like that were not helpful for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Like David said, saying nothing at all. I felt like there were lots of times that we would share the news and people would stop texting us or, you know, kind of avoid us because I Mm -hmm. don't think they knew what to say. And so that was really isolating because I wanted to talk about it. I really did want to talk about Logan's cleft. I loved when people asked questions, like when people would straight up say, like, I don't know a lot about clefts. Yeah. Like, what does this mean for you guys? Or what's your journey going to look like? Because that allowed me to kind of talk about it and get it off my chest and normalize it and be able to share knowledge with other people. It was really validating for me personally. And it just felt good to kind of vent that piece and to kind of feel like I was having a normal conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Saying things like, I'm sorry, was not helpful. Or saying Mm -hmm. things like, he's going to look beautiful one day, was not helpful. Because I thought he was going to be beautiful (laughs) Beautiful, the moment he was born, you know? Like, in my belly, he was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, just things that invalidated my feelings was really hard for me I think just saying things like can't wait to meet him like I love him already can't Mm -hmm. wait to hold him I think 
I think oh, sorry. saying less is more is good, but don't say nothing at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, say like something. how can right. I help you or how can I support you or what can I do for you or how are you feeling? You know, mm-hmm. I think for me personally, we're good things, but. Because you definitely go through a lot of state like emotions. I mean, I think for this, I've, I've been pretty like, it's probably got to like him a lot more like, you know, how, how's the Logan feel and everything. And, I think for me, like in the beginning, I kind of, I was like, all right, you know, we're going to get him in this thing so we can deal with this. So we're going to get him in like, you know, he's going to do lots of church. He's going to have a lot of close friends. He's going to be doing music. He's going to be doing some kind of martial art. He's going to be doing sports, like all these things. So you can like, you know, he can mitigate all these challenges, compensate for all these challenges, you know, that he's going to have because he's going to look different. And then I was like, man, like that sucks. Like, he really has to do all of these things to just like be normal or like be happy and I don't know. Like overcompensate. Overcompensate. And I'm like, man, like I'm right. pushing all this onto this baby that's not even born yet. Yeah. And I got I don't know. There's just a lot. You go through a lot. And so I think the first thing you said was, I hope he finds a girlfriend. Oh. <laughs> I think that that was like one of the oh. first things that David said. And I think that really broke my heart because I was like, why wouldn't he find a girlfriend? Like Right. I mean, you've seen him now. He's still he's definitely gonna, he's have gonna be beautiful. He's so but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, like so our like emotions were different too. Like I was way worried about the emotional piece, and David was more worried about the physical piece of like what it's gonna look like or what other people are going to say about it or yeah. how he would be perceived. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like what it might say? be a little different because I'm curious for you because you're a male. And so you know what that's like. <laughs> um, but having a son going into this world with a cleft, does that maybe, would it be different if he were a girl? Yeah. I mean, I guess I know what it's like to grow up as a boy um, and, you know, know how, like, guys are. And, you know, guys also inse- experience insecurity and judgment and bullying and all those things. I think boys and girls experience the same thing growing up, like, in that sense um and i mean they're the ways they experience that can be completely different and like the way guys get i don't know antagonized or bullied or teased or anything like that versus the way that girls do is going to be way different and um you know as a guy there might you're gonna it's just gonna be a different experience and you can maybe um you know and then that just kind of depends i think on your kid too like the i don't know the psychological toll it's gonna be it's gonna take on your kid, um, just the way they deal with that. Like it could be, I mean, there was that one girl giving that Ted talk that was just like, she really wanted a boy to ask her to prom and there would be people that would, you know, mm. prank call her and stuff. And if I had that happen to my daughter, like I, that'd probably get me real fired up. Like, but if someone did that to my son, let's be clear, yeah. I would be really fired up too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it just meant, Oh gosh, that just, I guess I didn't. Yeah. That's that story kind of, you know, either way, it's going to get your kid, like, get you real right up. But, like, I think I'm going to want Logan to be tough and want him to, you know, to be able to, I mean, but to also deal with it in a way that's, you know, healthy in the way that's going to be good for him, not just like, oh, get over it, man up. Like, that doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, think, I mean, sometimes that's good, but that doesn't help all the time. So, but I think that that's really important is to, change that narrative of like no you don't just need to toughen up you don't just need to get over it like Mm -hmm. these are real and valid feelings and emotions that you have and like let's teach you 
the healthy ways to cope with that or like yeah, if you want to talk about it like and it doesn't have to be us if you don't want to talk to mom and dad about it but like finding those healthy ways to cope or even expressing himself physically in like a sport or an activity or a hobby or something but or I, an art or yeah whatever conversation or whatever mm-hmm. i think just yeah letting your kid or teaching them to find a healthy way to cope yeah. Um. Because you don't want to leave them to their own devices. I mean, they could surprise you, and you know, I don't know. Be super resilient or something, or which something, would be great. But, but that's you don't not... want them to like just pick up bad habits, and especially when it comes to coping with you know real negative feelings. And gosh, if I had a little girl that was getting, he'll be mean to her. Oh man. Yeah. And that's how I feel oh. with Logan. Like I'm I mean, so defensive. Also, Logan, yes, I'm very, very defensive <laughs> over about him Logan too. As well, but, you, you know. know. <laughs> I think yeah. we're seeing like daddy's little girl. Yeah. <laughs> like mommy's boy. Yeah. And Logan's a big mama's boy. So I uh-huh. feel like I'm, you know, oh, I'm always boy. ready to like rear up. <laughs> like I'm always on the defense. But, mm-hmm. but with that said, I do think, I think us being David and I both being adults that have had negative ways to cope with negative feelings. Like I think whether it's a cleft or not. I think we want to teach him like how to have healthy coping skills. Right. You know, and especially with something like this. Yeah, I have poor coping skills daily. Yeah. So I well, I just think They're it's not important. Daily, but like, I have poor coping skills to this day, I guess is what I want to say. And yeah. You learn those young and Yeah. And so like, we really want it's to a lot to get out get those out of your brain. Teach by example mm-hmm. or you mm-hmm. know teach by our bad example maybe like you know you don't want to live this life the way that we had lived life for a long time you know you want to do better Mm -hmm. um so i think that that's something like we don't have the answers but i think like hopefully it'll come to us (laughs) like as you know logan grows older and we have a community of friends and family to reach out to but i think the level of scrutiny that girls and boys face is similar i i think that it happens Mm -hmm. in different ways um but personally i don't think that it would be easier if it was a boy versus a girl i think that there are the same societal pressures and emotional toll that having a difference of any kind has on a person whether it's a cleft or not Um, and it also you know it's going to depend on where you grow up and who your community is mm-hmm. and, you know, the level and, like, who you're around and, like, um, you know, there's one particular guy um, that we kind of both know online and he had a really supportive, like, community and he had some really, really, you know, positive, like, you know, male role models and older role models for him as he was growing up that were, like, on his team, like, and, like, even, and even that other girl, like, um, that other lady that gave a TED talk, she had like her older sister like <laughs> beat some kid <laughs> up in like sixth grade or something. She like mm-hmm. messed it like, you know, not that advocating that, but like having some, you know, having some people stick up for you in your corner, like, you know, is going to be essential. And us being that, I mean, other people that aren't his parents, you know, like having friends right. and family around him that can kind of be like, hey, do you know, don't mess with Logan or don't mess with, you know, whoever. You know, that's not like that's not something you make fun of somebody for. Like, this is not something that you're gonna. This is not something that you're going to um, tease and antagonize. And 
you know, that's great to have in a personal level. And like, however we can like, you know, that's, that can be good. That like forceful, like, Hey, knock it off. Like mm-hmm. that's not something you do. You know, sometimes you need that growing mm-hmm. up and on the playground and stuff like, yeah. but, and then doing that on a larger societal level in a, you know, way that's better for like, that works more positive, that works in a, with the wider reach than that. Um, I think is something where we need to, we wanted to like do. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I think that's like one of the biggest things, and I don't know how we're going to do it yet, but one of the biggest things that, um, has kind of come out of Logan having a cleft is David and I wanting to make some sort of societal change and raise awareness and spread that level of acceptance and normalizing things and what that looks like yet. I I don't think we know, but I think it is super important to change, you know, what has historically been happening in the world and bringing awareness and letting Logan know that we are safe, but also other people are safe. Like there's other people that have his back Um, Mm -hmm. and creating those friendships and having people in his corner, I think is what's really going to make the difference Mm -hmm. for him. And for us, I think, like, for us knowing that there's people in our corners, in Logan's corner. Yeah. It's super important. I love that. And something, I kind of want to go back to how you guys were talking about validating his emotions and his feelings. I think that's so important in many situations. Um, I was wanting to ask, do you think it's normal to grieve your baby's cleft? And do you think that those are emotions that need to be validated as well? And how do you go about validating those emotions? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's super normal to grieve your baby's cleft, especially when you find out initially. I mean, every single person, cleft parent that I've ever talked to has talked about or shared about that grieving experience um, because you are grieving what is normal like quote unquote normal mm-hmm. like what i don't know what normal looks like do you mean but... like grieving the fact that he has a cleft in general yeah oh yeah. yeah i mean that sucks like you know your kid's born without like two fingers it's gonna suck like you know it's like a if your your kid's born with something that's gonna affect their whole life and i think just us having Kimberly knowing like what it's been like for her brother and her brothers and um like it was a lifetime process and you know, her brother had like a, you know, he's had, she's had some like ups and downs, especially with surgery and stuff. And like, we know what could happen. And so just gosh, like we, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big undertaking. And you know, it's like, just like we said before, any kind of medical thing, like you're not happy like that, that happens. Like mm-hmm. you don't love your kid less. You're not resent. I wasn't, we weren't like mm-hmm. resentful or anything, but um, it's something that he's born with and it's like, all right, you know, we're going to deal with it and it's going to be, you know, we'll make the best of it and, um, love him through it and all that. But, you know, it's just, gonna, it's going to be a process and it definitely has been <laughs> an undertaking. Yeah. And I think it's really scary, especially in the beginning, mm-hmm. because you don't, there's, even though my brothers were born with clefts and I've kind of seen what my mom's gone through, there's a huge level of you have no idea what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to go on. You don't know. Right. I think I remember feeling like, how do I explain this to other people? What are other people going to think? And I remember grieving that part and that feeling of 
that I felt like I had to explain myself or explain Logan to other people was hard for me. Um, and like, I remember thinking like, what are people going to say or what are people going to think? Or am I going to want to post pictures of him? Um, because I didn't want to hear anything negative because I already knew I was going to love him and he was absolutely beautiful. And I really didn't care what anybody else had to say, whether it was negative or positive. <laughs> like I didn't really care if people were going to say, Oh, he's so beautiful. Cause I already knew that. Um, right. <laughs> Cause he's absolutely beautiful. Um, and he mm-hmm. was born absolutely beautiful, but I, there was definitely a grieving of like normal and like what he's going to have to face and the additional challenges that come with having a cleft. And then that level of sacrifice that we were going to have to make as parents, that financial sacrifice, the time sacrifice, the emotional sacrifice. Um, it's not just an easy fix, you know, <laughs> like yeah. this is a lifelong journey that we're on. And I think to specific, like in our case specifically, like my, me and my whole family were born with this syndrome. And so there was that huge level of grieving knowing like Logan's going to have to deal with this one day in the future. Um, I think mm-hmm. it would be for me, it would have felt maybe a little bit more different if it was just a chance thing, but knowing I, that like, this is, you know, part not of, just yeah, our journey. Yeah. It's now Logan's journey as well. When he, you know, does family planning. I think that that adds an, a whole other level of grieving. So definitely like a double grieving yeah. for us because I'm still grieving that. And even though I didn't, I wasn't born with a cleft, like I still grieve that, you know, our family planning looks different or, you know, what we have to yeah. deal with looks different or, you know, I grieve that a lot. I have to go through that. And I know that might sound selfish, but I don't want Logan to feel what I feel. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we both kind of dealt with it in different ways. Like I had those initial, uh, those initial, like, you know, moments, you know, going through it. And I think, I don't know if it's just like, I'm a dad now, like whatever, but I feel like it's just like, all right, this is what we're doing. Like after I had like, you know, my moment, you know, he's going to have to all this, you know, I don't want to put all this stuff on him. And, you know, and then like, we're going, then we're sitting in the hospital. Like I kind of cried it out and like, all right. Like I kind of, you know, at that time, I think in, even when we first started dating, like I knew your brother had a cleft, like lip and, and stuff. And, you know, I know you brought your other little, your other brother, Benjamin. And I've always kind of known that it's a possibility. And the more we've, I mean, we've talked about it and we've even known the chances and stuff of it continuing. And like, mm-hmm sort of an issue it's like you know it's part of life like I married you and that's you know part of who you are and that's okay and like nothing's gonna make me love my son any less and nothing's gonna make me love you know any of our kids any less or you any less like just part of the process and I think it's like it's just part of Logan just part of who he is like you know doesn't everybody do like anyone would do this for their kid like this isn't like a impossible thing that we're having to you know for me, it's like now it's at least at least that's how I tell myself now. And maybe like in five years, I'll be like totally freaking out or something. But <laughs> maybe it wouldn't wear, you know, maybe it'll wear on me later down the road or after his next surgery or whatever. But like, yeah, this is kind of how it goes. Like, I trust the people that are taking care of him. Like, I trust. I mean, 
Kim has done all like a ton of research and stuff, and I trust you, and I trust our like I trust in God, like I trust that this is gonna all happen, and so far everything's been been well, um, gone well, and like I don't know if that's just like my role for now, like I need to be the like need to be in this role in this kind of lane, but I've been able, but like yeah, we definitely definitely something i feel like i've known for and i've kind of been preparing my my heart my brain for that for like a long time even before we were married but i i also even feel like for other people too like that that's not the case like i think the grief is normal and the grief comes differently and how we grieved was Mm -hmm. different and the timing of our grief was different like my grief was you know, I had a lot of grief very early on. And I remember like telling David and I'll never forget, like I came out of that appointment and I was like hysterically crying and I couldn't even say the words to him. And David was like, what's wrong? And I was just in the car, like crying. And he was like, what's wrong? Mm -hmm. And I don't even know how long I was crying for five or 10 minutes. I don't know. It seemed like a long time because I couldn't even get the words out um, that Mm -hmm. Logan had a cleft. But when I finally did, David was like, okay. And so what? Like, yeah. moving on. Like, he honestly didn't care. He wasn't sad. He didn't say, like, dang it. He was just like, okay, like, we're going to deal with this. Like, no big deal. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, like, are you crazy? Like, do you not know, like, what's about to happen? But that's exactly what I needed in that moment. Like, I was super right. weak, and David was like, let's do it. And then down the road, like, as we got further along, maybe – two or three months later, I was like, okay, I'm strong. Like I've done all this research. I had been in all of these groups and I felt like I was being so saturated with information that I finally felt comfortable. And every time I would show David Mm -hmm. things, he was like, don't show me that. I don't want to look at that right now. I like, we'll deal with that when Mm -hmm. it comes. And so I think, you know, he was going through his own like little, I don't know if it was grief, but some sort of, you know, like we'll deal with that when it comes. I don't really care to talk about it and so that was hard for me because I was ready and I was like I want to talk about this and David was like please let's not talk about that right now like he didn't really want to acknowledge that and then Logan came and we were both good but I think since Logan's birth we definitely like alter like I you know some grief like he had that breakdown moment and I have my breakdown moments and so it it, I think grief is not linear and it's not just like a one-time thing I think it happens all the time and not necessarily every day but multiple times I think it just happened and you can't like plan when you're gonna start grieving but like one day I was holding Logan like he fell asleep in my arms before bed and I was just I lost it because I was like look at my perfect I'm gonna lose it again right now oh baby look at my perfect beautiful baby and like why does it have to be him like why does he have to go through this? Like, that's really hard, like, as a parent to feel. And so, yeah, I think I have, like, different levels of grief all mm-hmm. the time. Um, but then there's other days that I'm just filled with joy, and I would never wish our story to be different. Um, so I think that grief is normal, and I don't know if it ever ends. I think my mom still, like grieves different levels too like i mean there's a lot more with that 21 years later Mm -hmm. so i think it's different for everybody but i think it's normal yeah oh you guys have me tearing up guys (laughs) just 
Um, I was curious. I know with Logan, he's had tons of surgery, not surgeries, tons of doctor's appointments. And you guys have insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But is there any way to sponsor or fund um, cleft babies who may not be in a situation like that? Yeah, there's where they do need it. Yeah, there's a ton of different organizations. I mean, I can speak to one. Kim knows more, but um, I mean, globally, the biggest one is a uh, Smile Train. We did a fundraiser, um, for them. Like it's two hundred fifty bucks sponsors one surgery for one um child, and uh, you know, that would cost. I mean, what we're still getting bills, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Just the surgery alone has probably costed upwards of 150 that Like, surgery, hospital stay for less mm-hmm. than 24 hours has costed us $150,000 probably. Yeah. Um, luckily, we have um, pretty good medical care. Um, but, like, you know, you can support a surgery, which would, like, you know, some there's a lot of stories that are out there. And there's kids all over the world that get this. And um, if you're in a, I think the statistic is if you're in, like, a, country where it's not treated you know like 90 percent of the kids die before the age of 18 if they don't get it treated just because it provides difficulties and um there's always lapse of care there but you can you know with 250 bucks you can um sponsor a kid to get um any number of surgeries or an adult um and we did a fundraiser where we had an artist do like a little had a couple of artists do um like a rendition of logan's face and we sold it on shirts and we got mm-hmm. how much we ended up making we sponsored close to five surgeries. Yeah, which was awesome. Mm. We we're like, okay, maybe we'll like just sell it to our family and we'll get like one and that would be so cool. And then we just kind of opened it up and we sold them all over the world. And like we got five different kids, you know, had the same um, same surgery that Logan did. And um, they're going to be, have a, you know, a huge impact on their life. There's a lot of, you know, we have... Logan's going to have lots of difficulties with, you know, just the societal stigma of a cleft and just looking different. But some places it's a lot worse. Like some people, some cultures think that, you know, there's some kind of like there's something wrong with the parents or that it's some other kind of like, um, I don't know, there's like, I don't know, help me out here. There's like other negative kind of like religious and other like, you know, oh, you might have like a other religious like curse or like, you know different mm-hmm. cultural like bad connotations that um people with a cleft will have and getting that you know fixed and edu- edu- educating that population and um helping someone with that surgery goes a long way like you know these people and some of these cases like there's this one boy in brazil like he had to go from his small rural community to like a larger city and even doing that like you know is a thing that he wouldn't normally do. And so sponsoring that kid to get there to get his surgery, like we're lucky we can go drive four hours to Palo Alto, but this kid like had to, you know, go on a bus and like, it's like a whole ordeal where we're able to do this every weekend. And like, you know, you can make, you can change someone's life for, I don't know, like one fifth the cost of a new phone (laughs) or a computer or something. It's pretty wild. Like there's, I mean, there's a ton of other organizations and um, ones around the globe, but small train is like the one that we've, worked with the most yeah there's also operation smile and i mean there's so many different kinds of cleft organizations that 
uh, if you purchase their product, that they give money back to different cleft organizations. Um, like Grin Roast is a coffee company that um, a oh, yeah. family started because they have um, sons with that were born with clefts. And so for every bag of coffee you buy, they donate money to a cleft organization or um, Hero Kids is great oh, yeah. because Audrey mm. donates money. The you know, best, to Operation Rompers. Rompers. So, <laughs> like, they're really good. They last for a long time. That's, like, the best one. We've had, Logan's had it since, what? David was, will go on a rant about these rompers. <laughs> he loves them. <laughs> she donates money to what? Operation Smile okay. in Canada um, to help fund surgery. So, there's so many different cleft organizations out there um, that you can support. I know I have a romper, too, David, that you guys gifted us for Ruth. So. I can vouch. They're really good. I do like them. I just have to say thank you guys so much for being so open and vulnerable with your experience and your emotions. Um, I know that probably wasn't super easy, um, but I know I personally feel like I know more now, and I'm sure our listeners do too, and I'm sure there's some listeners out there who are having their feelings feeling a little bit more validated as well, um, which is amazing. So thank you guys. And thank you, David, for joining us today, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was great to talk about it. And hopefully, if any listeners have any questions, they can feel comfortable um, sending us a message on Instagram. And maybe Kim can get back to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, thanks for having me on.